all of the writers were instruments. Uh, God is the author. And, uh, but God has been teaching us here about suffering. He's been teaching us about suffering. And, uh, you know, there's two things we can't do once we die, right? We can't glorify God anymore. There will be no need. To glorify means to put on, to put on display the attributes of somebody else. And so when we glorify God in our life, we put on display His attributes. Well, after this, when we die and we're with Him, we don't have to do that anymore. So this is the only life we have where we can glorify God. And I'm thankful for that. But there's another thing that we will not be able to do um, when we die, and that is to rejoice in suffering. This is the only life that will rejoice in suffering. Thankful for that. But there's also a great power in that, and there's a great... Um, uh, there's a great uh, uh, joy in that. Uh, it, the world doesn't understand it. It's, uh, it's totally silliness to them. Look at verse 13 in our text. It touches on a little bit. It says, But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when, he, when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Rejoice. Why? Because you're a partaker of his suffering. Boy, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Like, yeah. The world's like, what are you talking about, right? And so, no, this is one of the things that, uh, that they don't understand. And this, this, and this is one of the things uh, that God allows into our life. Not suffering because we're dumb and make stupid mistakes and because we just go against the Word of God and, and sin. That, not that kind of suffering. We know that. We're talking about it's the suffering because we are living godly in Christ Jesus. It's suffering because we have chosen obedience. We have chosen Christ over self. And so here tonight, Peter is going to present, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to present through Peter, another reason for suffering, another uh, purpose of suffering. And look at verse 3. It says, For the time past of our life, may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, right? In our past life, it was just fine to live like the lost. So the, the Gentiles here is just a, there's Peter, a Jew, using a general term for those that are outside of Christ, uh, unsaved, Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. And we see here, and we know this, you're here tonight, you've been born again of the Spirit of God, you're in Christ Jesus tonight. We all have a past, right? We all have a past. How do you know we have a past? Well, we know we do, but the very term born again, right? It means that there was something before, born again, right? We were born, by, like Jesus said, by water, right? We came through the, through the natural birth canal, and then the second birth is that the spiritual birth. And so we have a past. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if things are new, that means there was something old. We do have a past. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thought. There's nothing better than the day you realize I got a clean slate and I can start all over. Right? And it's not just starting over now the way I started from the first place. It's starting over in Christ Jesus. That's what's even more wonderful. Ephesians 2, 2 says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. That's how we used to live. That's how we used to walk. We walked according to our flesh. We walked according to what the world told us to do. We walked according to what Satan wanted us to do. Uh, and we walked as children as of disobedience. But our, our past 
if you notice here in the text, our past was marked by a lifestyle. Now, these things listed here may not necessarily be, um, you might kind of recoil at these and say, well, that wasn't totally me. Look at lasciviousness. What a word, huh? That's an irregular indulgence, like an animal desire, an animal lust. But we're watching that today, aren't we? It's just bizarre, the things that are going on, right? Do you know, the, the, once, they, once they legalized sodomite marriage, I told, I told uh, my wife, I said, the door is open. What's next? Polygamy? Pedophilia? Bestiality? Hey, once you, listen, once you, once you objectify the marriage relationship, any object goes. Whether it's a goat or a tree or, I mean, we can laugh at these things, but I'm telling you, they're here. Right? This is lasciviousness. This is that animal desire. It's like what a dog would do or, an, or a baboon would be like, right? And, and, uh, and it's just, this is what, is what marked the life of our past, right? Look at lust, lasciviousness, lust. That's just a, a lust for gain. This, just, this, this, this desire, a longing to have, it marked our life. The excess of wine, which is which you watch here, gluttony. More than that's needed. Of course, we know that word wine there, oinos in the Greek, could be either, he could be talking either alcoholic or non-alcoholic. It could be either one, like our word cider. But the point here in this, in this text here is gluttony. It's, it's excess, whether it's food or drink, right? It's excess, whether it's lust. It's excess, whether it's lasciviousness in that animal desire. What reveling, right? What's reveling? Well, it's, just a, it's just a loud party with a bunch of carousing going on. No, this is how we lived. This is how people used to live. Banqueting, which means feasting and luxury. That's the, 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 the what was that stuff called? The um, champagne and caviar. That's the, the black tie events, you know. The excess, excess, excess. Abominable idolatries. That's quite a word, huh? That means that the, this is talking about criminal vices that spring from idolatry. Abominable Idolatries. Can you think of an abominable idolatry today? A criminal vice that springs from idolatry? In the Old Testament, we saw that they would, they would toss their babies into Molech because of their idolatry. Right? But no, we're just tossing our babies to the idolatry of self. That's what abortion is. It's abominable idolatries. Right? And so we see this. Have you noticed this? Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Have you noticed that, you know, there, there are those that are called, I'm going to drop a big name word on you, but there's those that in, in eschatology, they're called preterists, and they believe that the, at the destruction of, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, of the temple at A.D. 70 was really when Jesus returned spiritually, and he's been ruling and reigning ever since. And you know what I say? He's doing a terrible job. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. No, nothing has changed in 6,000 years, right? We are still at the same place. And this is what used to mark our life. This is what we used to be in Christ Jesus. We had a past. But let me tell you this. Our past ought to stay in the past. Right. Amen, right. It ought to stay there. Look at for back in 1 Peter 1.15. I've been uh, listening to some people discuss some things lately, and it brought me right back to this passage again. And look at verse 14. I don't know why I do this every time. I give you a verse and I go back up. Verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the, look at the word he used, former lusts in your ignorance. Now granted, we didn't know better. 
I mean, we're, we're just born this way. This is how we lived. Look, but look what he says. As obedient children, don't fashion yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, verse 14. But as he which hath called you is, is always, present tense, God is the eternal now, is holy, so be ye holy, look at this, in all manner of conversation. That word conversation means lifestyle. So watch, holiness isn't just, isn't just some thought process. Holiness isn't just something spiritual. Yes, it, holiness starts in the heart, right? Holiness starts, and uh, holiness meaning apart from or separated to, from. God is completely separate from his creation, right? Holiness is something that starts inward, and it watch, works itself outward in all manner of conversation. In every part of our lifestyle, we have been told to be holy. What am I saying? Our past needs to stay in the past. Right. Second Corinthians six seventeen. The Bible says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Our past ought to stay in the past. Romans twelve, one and two, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We know it was sin that brought death. It was because of sin that Jesus suffered and died. And I'm telling you, as here you are tonight in Christ Jesus, it is still sin that destroys lives. It is still sin that destroys not our relationship with God, thankfully, but it destroys some fellowship. It destroys intimacy. It destroys a closeness that, that our soul desires and wants to have, but our flesh rises up at times and uh, takes over. So here's the problem, right? We, we know that we were once, like was said here in our passage, we used to walk after the course of this world. Our past ought to stay in the past. But the fact of the matter is, did anybody sin today? You don't have to. <laughs> Martin did. <laughs> yeah. he, no, he was, th- he was thinking about his wife, not himself. But uh, no. No, come on, what happens? We still sin. Why? Right? We, 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 we still have this flesh that's attached to us. No, like I just said, you know, sin cannot send one of God's kids to hell. That's never going to happen, right? But boy, it can sure wreck the journey. It can sure wreck the journey, right? Sin doesn't keep you from God loving you. That's impossible. But it messes up the fellowship, like I said, right? Sin can't extinguish the light, right? Jesus is that light. Light if every man cometh in the world. We're indwelt by the Spirit of God, right? We have that light. He can't extinguish the light, but it can cover it up so much that it feels like you're right back in the old life again. That's a miserable place to be. You've been there? I've been there. It's awful. So the difference is now, here you're in Christ, the difference now is you may still sin, but you can't live there anymore. <laughs> Do you remember that prodigal, the prodigal son? Right? We call him the prodigal. Some call him the lost son. Come, some they say he's the prodigal son. But within the parable, I would, I would stay with more of a, a prodigal. He had a father, right? But what happened? When he, went, when he left, he took all of, his, all of his living and he went, the Bible says, spent it on riotous living, right? He, was just, he just blew it on just the flesh and worldliness and, and carnality and all of these things, on sin. 
And he found out, where did he wind up? He wound up in the hog trough, right? He was sleeping in the hog pen, sleeping with the pigs. He said he, he, he had nothing to eat. He didn't even have hog food to eat, right? He was starving, wasted all his money. And uh, the Bible says he came to himself. I love that. Do you remember the day you finally came to yourself? You went, what am I even doing? What is this all about? Right? And what did he do? He got up eventually and he went back to his father. Why could he never stay in the, po- the hog pen? Because his identity and his relation was still with his father. He wasn't a pig. He was his, fa- he was, he was his father's child and he still was. And what did he do? He eventually got up, right? And he went home and he went back to his father. And made things right with his father. See, a Christian may sin. A Christian may, may have sin come into their life at times. But listen, that, that is, we, we, don't, we can't live there. We cannot live there. It may, I mean, I'm telling you, there's sometimes I watch Christians uh, live in sin. And I go, are, are you sure you're, you've been in, you were in Christ? Are you sure? Right? Are you sure you've been born again? But uh, boy, I tell you, then someday, uh, I'm tell, you, you watch them and they come back. And, you know, uh, they just can't stay there very often. It's a hard thing to do. There's no satisfaction in it, right? Oh, I know in our past life there was, a, there was a different kind of dissatisfaction that we're trying to find, right? Something to, something to satisfy what was on the inside, what was missing on the inside, Jesus Christ. But after we get saved, there's absolutely no satisfaction at all that we used to think there was, that we used to kind of have some enjoyment in, right? You know how you know, how you know you're in Christ? You know what a good evidence is? Not only the chastening of God and the discipline of God, most wonderful evidence that you're in Christ. You can't get away with sin. Right? You may, you may uh, be like Jonah and pay the money and get on the boat and go to, Tar- go to Tarshish and get on the boat and try to run as far away as you, as you can from the will of God. And that didn't work either, did it? But listen, you know what? what another, evidence is, another evidence that marks the believer, and I've said this many times, if you had one wish... God says, I'll give you one wish forever. You'd say, I don't want to ever sin again. I don't ever, I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever sin again. Why? Well, because every time you do, not, o- not only does it, you know, bring the conviction in the, in the, in the you know, the Holy Spirit of God, but it's that separation, it's the breaking of the heart of God, it's the, it's the, it's the, 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 the killing of the relationship with somebody that loves you and that you love. We're just there. It happens. So sin in our life, what happens? It becomes frustrating. It, it becomes frustrating. Somebody said it this way. We, we are a walking civil war. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know what it is, right? Go, go to Romans chapter 7. Look at this. Romans chapter 7. Very famous passage. And look at verse 14. You talk about frustration. Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not. For what I would, what I want to do, that, I, that do I not. But what I hate, eh, that do I. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> uh. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now, this is pretty heavy here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll parse this out here in a minute. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, right, dwelleth no good thing. 
For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I found then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. How many have found that law out? When I do good, evil is present with me, right? And uh, uh, verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. What is that speaking of? His physical body. Another law in my members warring against the what law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Look at verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What a frustration. We've been there, haven't we? Absolutely we have. We have a new life in Christ. The old way needs to stay. The old life needs to stay in the, in the old past, needs to stay in the past. But we're confronted over and again with something that we don't like in our life, which sin creeps up. We have a heart for God. We have a desire for God. We, we, love, we love God. Uh, and uh, we look forward to all of eternity with Him. But this stinking flesh rises up. Yeah. Notice verse 25. Look what he says. Here's, the, here's the, the, the antidote. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So watch this. God is served from the mind. Sin is served from the flesh. That's why it's so imperative to have the word of God etched in your mind and in your heart. This is where we serve God from. It's from our mind. Watch, truth enters the mind. And eventually that truth that enters the mind affects the actions. It ought to. Yeah. It goes from the mind to the heart through the actions. I've showed you this many times in God's economy. The, the, the pattern, the, the order is mind. Truth goes to the mind. Truth from the mind goes to the heart. And the heart cha- changes the actions. The opposite is different. The, uh, Satan's economy is opposite of that. It starts in the flesh. It infects the mind, then it or infects the heart, infects the heart, then it changes the mind. Before you know it, your whole thinking's messed up. Yeah. So Paul says God is served from the mind, sin is served from the flesh. So here we go. We have a past. Our past should stay in the past, but sin still shows up. Right. So in verses 1 and 2 of our text, though, here is where we find the help to keep the past in the past. All right. Look at this back in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Ah. Okay, I'm back. 1 Peter chapter 4. You notice, first of all, it says here, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, Christ Jesus, He suffered, notice this, He suffered for us. He he didn't have to suffer. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to die. He didn't have to be a sacrifice. He didn't have to do any of it. He wanted to. He absolutely wanted to. But He suffered for us. And watch this. 
He suffered for us in the flesh. This wasn't some spiritual suffering. It was, it was not some, some uh, virtual suffering. It was not some invisible suffering. Jesus himself, the second person of the Godhead, put on a human body. He wrapped himself in human flesh that he could experience pain and he could experience hunger and thirst and, and exhaustion and everything and heat and cold and, and everything that we experience in this human body. He put it on and he experienced the same thing and he suffered, the Bible says here, in the flesh. He felt all of it. He understood all of it. The Bible says over in Hebrews that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. He, he has experienced everything that we have experienced. He has experienced every pain that was possible. The, the, you know the old hymn says, Wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me. Uh, gone, uh, gone my transgressions. I think that's how it goes. And now I am free. All because Jesus was wounded for me. It was for you. It was for me. If you're the only person on the planet, and that was the only way that you could have been re reconciled back to God, Jesus would have come for one. That's right. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Yeah. So Jesus suffered. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, uh-oh, arm yourselves likewise. Huh? Now it's going downhill, right? <laughs> but this is sounding really good. We should suffer too. Arm yourselves likewise. Well, how do we do this? See, suffering is always an ultimate. Always has an ultimate purpose in the life of a, of a child of God. It always has an ultimate purpose. Let me let me say it this way. Don't miss this. If if God suffered, then suffering has value. If God suffered, suffering has value. And listen, God will not ever waste something as valuable as suffering. It's got a purpose. We don't just come with things in our life and it's just like, oh, well, you know, Lord, just like, well, sorry about that one. Boy, that's tough. <laughs> Boy, I hope it didn't hurt you too bad. That's a, hmm. Well, I didn't see that coming. Wish I, maybe I should have warned you. Oh, no. No, nothing comes outside of the, uh, out of the knowledge and the awareness of God. If Jesus suffered, listen, suffering has great value. Right. And, uh, and he's not going to waste suffering. It has a purpose. Sometimes our suffering equips us. Look what he says here again. Arm yourselves, likewise with the same mind. Do you know that word arm, arm yourselves, would be the very same, the very same uh, command you'd be given by a, by a general as you went out to war? Arm yourselves. We got to go. It's the very same word, right? If, uh, if the prison, you live next to uh, the max security prison and the, the news came on and said, uh, we have an escapee, <laughs> right? Arm yourselves. What is, what is he saying? Take up arms. Protection for war, right? Look, and here it is. Arm yourselves likewise. So what is the weapon? What are we arming ourselves with? I mean, we're, we're fighting against what? We're fighting against the old nature. 
We're fighting against the, the past which ought to stay in the past. We're fighting against the sin that comes up in our lives that we can't stand anymore. And sometimes we feel like uh, total frustration. We don't know what to do about it. Right? Arm yourselves likewise, what? With the same mind. That's the weapon. The mind of Christ. Go to, go to, go to, go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Another familiar passage. Philippians 2, look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you. There it is again. Wow. Paul's talking about it this time. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. This is the second person of the God. This is God himself. The Bible says, uh, in whom, Jesus Christ, in whom dwelt all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is God who made himself of no reputation. You know, the Bible says, uh, you know, he came, there's nothing about his, his image, there's nothing about him that stood out of, of the Lord Jesus. He looked just like everybody else. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come with a bunch of pomp. He didn't come with a, a legions of angels. He didn't come that way. He came as a baby in, a, in, a, in, a, in an obscure place of Bethlehem. And, and when he came of age and was finally started his ministry, people said, huh? Right? Who's this? They didn't even know who he was. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Boy, that's low. No, we're pretty proud about ourselves. We think we're pretty cool. Right? We think we're pretty good. We do. Yeah. And uh, you ever look in the mirror and go, looks pretty good. Till about there, <laughs> and then it just falls, falls out, everything down. You know, just goes away. You know, so I mean, no, we, sometimes we think we're uh, pretty good, but listen, you you measure yourself up. You, you ever get a? You ever see a close up of the of the universe and some parts of the Milky Way galaxy? You ever see some of the beauty of stars? You ever see the, some of the 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 just mind blowing beauty of of just the gases in the in the in, in the universe? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. but he came in the likeness of a man. Pretty low. In our best estate, we, we don't even compare to the glory of the universe that God spoke into existence. Look at this. And being found in the for fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. <clears throat> even the death of the cross. What was the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ? Servant, humility, obedience, death, suffering. You see, when we accept suffering like Jesus did, when we accept the position of a slave, when we accept, accept the position of humility, uh, I must decrease, he must increase. When we, when we accept the mind of the Lord Jesus in obedience, like when he said, I don't know, uh, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Remember that? When we accept the place of suffering, we end up having a weapon working in our life. Our weapon is the mind of Jesus Christ. That's our weapon. 
And it goes on to say here that suffering, this is a, a fascinating passage. Suffering stops sin. Go back to chapter 4, verse uh, uh, number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Do you know there's a lot of commentaries that go over that and don't even deal with it? It's a tough one. Because some people, there are some belief systems out there that say once they get saved, they don't sin anymore. Yeah. Not true. I mean, we do know this. Sometimes suffering in the flesh will keep us from sin. You can, you can stay out of a lot of trouble when you're in the hospital room. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know. If you have some chronic illness, it's amazing how much the, 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 the daily battle, the wearing out of that, of that illness will just kind of take all of the wind out of your sails. And you're just not maybe up to doing... You know what your buddies are doing, right? I mean, there, there's a point of that, that that's true. But here it says that our, we see here that our weapon stops sin. Well, let me show you three things how. First of all, you've got to remember our position. I want to go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 6. Knowing this, that actually, let's go over to verse 2. Right. Ah, why not? Let's do verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, there's, here, here's a little insight of where we are positionally, right? We are dead to sin. Now look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is, that's present tense, is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So look at verse 6 again. We see the old man is dead so that the body of sin may be destroyed. Now watch this. This is our judicial position in Christ Jesus. Our old man. Listen, when Jesus died, we died. When we got saved, we died with him. We died with Christ. What's that mean? The old man is dead. It's gone. You say, well, where's the sin coming from? I'll get there. Okay. But the old man is dead. Okay. Now verse 7, the benefit of this position is we have been freed from sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, right? right? We have been freed from sin. The sin does not have the authority over us like it used to have. This is liberating. Can I explain it to you this way? I know I have before, so it's the only good one I know, so I'll say it again. Right? Let's, say, uh, let's say Brother Chuck had a rental house. He doesn't. After he got his well fixed today, he's probably going to have to sell the house and go get a rental because it wiped him out clean and... Uh, we're going to do some crowdfunding for Brother Chuck and raise some money for him here in a little bit, but uh, just kidding. Let's say Chuck, you know, he's, he is, uh, he's had to sell the house. He's going to go rent a house, and he's got a new house he's rented, and things are going fine for a few years, and he's paying rent every day, every month to uh, 
Mr. Jones. He's paying rent. Somewhere between the time of his lease, Mr. Jones sells the house to uh, Mr. Brown. Is anybody no Browns in here? No Jones. Okay, we're good. Sells the house, uh, sells the, his house to Mr. Brown. So now Mr. Brown sends a letter to Chuck. I own your house now, and uh, you can start sending the, your payments to me. And uh, I'm such a nice guy. I'm not going to rent your raise your rent for until your lease is up next month. But uh, so, uh, so now you're going to start sending your rent money to Mr. Brown, not Mr. Jones. Now, at any time, Mr. Jones, I guess, could show up at the door and knock at the door and say, Hey, I, you used to pay me rent. I need rent back. I still need rent. Now you have a choice. You could be really dumb and pay him, right? Or you could say, uh, No. The house belongs to Mr. Brown now. It doesn't belong to you. I don't have to pay you. You can go. And he goes off the steps. Can I tell you, you've been bought with a price? Can I tell you who used to own you doesn't own you anymore? (laughs) We're under new ownership. I love it. But what happens? What? Satan comes and says, hey, I used to own you. You need to pay up. This sin, this lust, this thing, this that. And we have a choice now because watch, we've been crucified with Christ. Our old man is dead. It doesn't have, listen, it doesn't have authority over us anymore. The sin nature is gone. It doesn't have authority anymore. And now we have the authority in Jesus Christ to make the choice and say, ah, I don't have to pay you anymore. Get out, <laughs> right? Yeah, I love that. I mean, that, that, that's what Paul's talking about in verse seven. There is the benefit of our position in Christ is that we have been freed from sin. Uh, Paul said, I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And he went on to say that the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I am, present tense, I am right now crucified with Christ Jesus. What's that mean? He said, my old man's dead and I have new ownership now and I don't have to pay him anymore. That's what's going on. That's our position. That's our position in Christ. Our old nature doesn't have authority over us anymore. No, it's there, but it doesn't have authority like it used to. Right? We used to not even question it. It's like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> yeah, live it up. Right. This is our position, not a sinner. But notice our personal responsibility. Look at verse 10, though. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Okay, so what happened? You were crucified with Christ. The day you got saved, you are crucified with Christ. Jesus died. He died unto sin once. But that he liveth, you know, he liveth unto God. He's raised by the Spirit. I mean, that's a, we won't get into that tonight. But uh, he died once. Look at likewise, talking to us now. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died unto sin once. What's that mean? If we're in Christ, sin doesn't have dominion over us anymore because he already died to it. <laughs> and we're, we're, we, are, we are with him and we are dead as well. This is our position. Verse 11, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Verse 12, how do you reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin? How do you do that? Uh, right? Well, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Say no. Nancy Reagan would be very proud of this if she were alive. Is she alive? She's not alive. Yeah, just say no. Just say no. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. 
Do you, know many, do you know how many children got in trouble at home when they just started telling their parents no? Yeah. Verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yield. You give the right away. What happens at a yield? You're at an intersection. You're saved now. You want your past to stay in the past. You're at an, you are at an intersection. Your flesh is saying, let's do this. And the Spirit of God says, no, let's do this. And who are you going to give the right away to? Well, we yield to God. Amen. Yeah. So our old man is dead. That old, that old man is dead. has no authority over us. But our flesh is alive. It is alive, isn't it? Somebody said it this way, our flesh fights to be happy without God. The, wor the, the world fights to fit in without God. And the devil fights for us to be religious without God. The flesh wants us to be happy without God. The world wants us to fit in without God. And the devil wants us to be religious without God. Boy, that's good. So as that civil war rages in us every day, how do we stop the sins of the flesh? It's right back to Romans 7.25. God is served from the mind. Sin is served from the flesh. So how do we choose serving God from the mind and putting away serving sin through the flesh? How do we shut off the flesh? That's really what we're looking to do, right? I mean, it doesn't have the authority, it doesn't have the power that it doesn't have the power, but we set we have to shut the thing off, right? How do we do that? Well, in our text is when we arm ourselves with the mind of God, with the mind of Christ. Watch. When every day we make the choice, we make the choice personally to say, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of God. Paul said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. The word servant is the word doulos. Doulos. It's a third level galley slave. Paul said, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. People say, I don't want to be a slave to God. Well, you've been a slave to Satan, whether you realize it or not. Right. I'd much rather be a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Satan has never given himself for anybody. He never will. Yeah. I'm a slave. I'll be a slave to Jesus. That's all right. When I have the mind of Jesus as a slave, when I have the mind of the Lord Jesus in humility, I must decrease and he must increase. When I have the mind of Jesus in obedience, not my will, but thine be done. When I have the mind of Jesus in suffering. And that's suffering from obedience. That's what that is. See, watch. This suffering that comes from obedience, this suffering that comes from the mind of Christ, this suffering that comes from saying no to the flesh, that type of suffering, listen, that suffering kills the flesh. And every time you kill the flesh, here it says in our text, the flesh can't sin. If, the flesh, if you're killing the flesh and it's dead, right, it can't sin. Well, how do you kill it? Well, by living every day with the mind of Christ, living like Jesus. Our position, our personal responsibility. But notice here in verse 2 of our text, look at the purpose. So we no longer live the rest of our time to the lust of men but to the will of God. The rest of our time. I like that. What does it mean the rest of our time? Well, we're back to, we had a past, right? 
We had a past. Now we're in Christ. Now from the day we came in Christ to the rest of the time that we're on this planet, let's live it, not in the lust of the flesh, right? But let's live it to the will of God. How do we do that? How can we do that? Just arm yourself with the mind of Christ. Arm yourself every day with humility. With humility, with being a servant, with obedience, with suffering. This is the weapon. This is the weapon against the flesh. This is the weapon that helps you to keep the past in the past. You had a past, right? B.C., before Christ? <laughs> B.C., A.C., oh, don't put those together, but after Christ. But for the rest of our days, you know what? We can live like Christ. Well, yeah. Are you weary? Hey, have you gotten weary of the flesh lately? Maybe it's been kind of rearing up. Maybe it's just kind of an attitude. Maybe it's just, you know, uh, ingratitude. I tell you what, ingratitude is killing our society today. I mean, adults and young people, this this sense of of uh, um, that that they have some uh, right to have, you know, of entitlement. It's killing us. Like like everybody, like we're owed anything. I'll tell you what, if you have that mindset, it will make you utterly miserable. It's going to. Yeah. Maybe it's just ingratitude. Maybe it's, maybe it's a discontentment. Maybe it's some area of disobedience. And man, you just, it's like the flesh has been raring up. Maybe you're frustrated at the civil war going on inside of you tonight. You're just kind of like, this is wearing me out. Tired of living in a contradiction, right? It just seems like such a contradiction to what you are judiciously in Christ. Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. Hey, let me say it this way. Here's a simple way. Die to self. Just die to self. Could you imagine what our world would be like if everybody died to self? We'd never want to go to heaven. It'd be fine. (laughs) No, So I guess the question for us tonight is to kind of do a little introspection here in our own heart and life and and ask ourselves this question. Am I living on a daily basis with intention? Am I intentionally, maybe you wake up in the morning and maybe it's a good time, maybe it'll start to write these four things down and keep them in front of you when you wake up in the morning, when you're reading your Bible and uh, making a point to say, today, Lord, by your grace and with your help, I'm going to live like a servant. I'm going to live in humility. I want to live in obedience. And I want to, I want to live in such a way that, when the, that I could rejoice in suffering. I'll tell you what. If you, if, you, if you, with intention, go through that every morning right, and mean it, of course, we need the grace of God and the help of God to do that. Well, you'll die to self. And what you'll start to realize and you'll start to know is your life will be marked by the mind of Christ. And watch, you'll start to know that a dead flesh doesn't sin anymore. Yeah. See, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be sinless? Oh, no. No. But there's times when it just totally takes over your, takes over your life. Little things. We keep coming up. Right? And the antidote to it, the, 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 
the antivenom, because it is a poison, the antivenom is just to die to self. Accept the suffering. Accept the obedience. Live in humility. Live in servitude. Yeah. The world thinks that's crazy. Our flesh thinks it's crazy still. <laughs> it's still fighting it. But we know this. Every time, every time we choose the mind of Christ, there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then every time we don't choose it, we go, well, why did I do that? Because I, there's no joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, yeah. Keep on, let's, keep on our, let's keep on our minds, the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you tonight. You've left us in this world. You have redeemed us. You've made our spirit alive. But you have not redeemed our flesh. It's irredeemable. It's going to have to die. And I'm thankful that you understand us. You know our frame. You know that we're but dust. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given us the weaponry to arm ourselves with to get victory in our life. And that armament is the mind of Christ. Father, would you help us, please? Maybe we need to go home. Maybe you need to do it right now and begin to write down these things that mark the mind of the Lord Jesus and, and commit ourselves to them every morning by your help and your grace that we would live that day in the, with the mind of Christ. Would you help us to do that? And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you would, please. The instrument's going to play. The invitation is open, open. However the Lord has spoken to you tonight, if you need to spend some time with Him, would you do that tonight? Have you armed yourself with the mind of Christ? Do you have victories that uh, you really, really are desiring? We have the answer right here in verse 1 and 2. Verse 1. Right. Well, good to see everybody out this morning. I'm checking, re- rechecking here for.